glad I think that would be real helpful. Um, today is just for the purposes of this tape, if any students someday is ever listening to all this, it's uh, February uh, 11th, 1993, and uh, I'm uh, having a cup of coffee in the home of Mr. Maurice uh, Carmody, um, who uh, is a longtime Alaskan who who uh, was involved and knew very well Stan McCutcheon when he was getting involved with, uh, with the folks over in uh, Tionic. And well, maybe before before we get to McCutcheon, just to, by way of background, how how did you first get involved over there? Did you get up to Alaska? And uh, we came up to Alaska and uh, went to Juneau, and a vacancy came up at Tionic. That was in November of '39. This to teach school or to teach school, government teachers. It was BIA, Bureau of Indian Affairs, at that time. So that was our first experience in Alaska. It's kind of rugged too. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was Tyrone like in '39? Now Stanley, I met him. I guess the next year, and I, I kind of did a little research myself down there. Mm -hmm. I found out that we were living on a reservation. You probably know that the Wapaki Reservation, <clears throat> and they had uh, the natives had a fish trap which they they were charging them for a tax. So I, I investigated that and found out they shouldn't do that because it was a reservation. They're the same as Metlakatla. Right, so that the territory was charging them a tax. Right. So we got that straightened out through Stan. That's how I first met him. I went to King Banks. Met him. He was just a young lawyer then. And he became kind of interested in Tionic, so he flew back with me and spent a couple, three days out in Tionic talking to the natives and helping in with any questions that they might have. One was uh, divorces, you know. And that's where he got started huh. with the natives. Hmm. Well, now, had he been down to Tionic before he came back? No, that was his first experience. Hmm. And that was. Um, before the oil, of course, right. a long time before that. And he kept the contact with him over the years. And, and then I retired uh, in 1965. So I lost contact with, with Stan and the natives about that time. Hmm. Now, uh, were, you, were you at Tionic all those years? or No, we were at Tionic two years. Mm -hmm. And from there we went to uh, Fognac. And then the uh, World War II broke on, and we were on a fog map. Which was not a very good place to be. Right, I do. You guys think that uh, the Japanese might be coming up the beach pretty quick? We sure did. We sure did. <laughs> so the people on Kodiak in the military. Well, they should have. I mean, that, we were pretty vulnerable at that time. Hard to imagine now. Yeah. Well, what, uh, what, uh, when when you arrived in I guess '39, what what did the village of Tionic actually look like? In those days? It was just a, a collection of uh, very uh, rudimentary houses, and um, there was no electricity there. And one of my first jobs was to install electricity in the school, and fortunately we had a CC camp organized there, and we had one. Native, Alex Latson, his name was, he was a very good electrician, and he helped immensely in getting that uh, project 
but uh, the, the rest of the buildings didn't have electricity. No, no, they didn't have electricity, and they did a lot of hunting. And uh, I came, to, I know we came to school one morning in March, and there weren't any children there. We wondered what happened. Well, they'd all gone out beaver trapping. <laughs> At that time, we were supposed to let them go, you know, and if we wanted to, we could have gone out with them or stayed in the village. Well, did, uh, you mentioned that you had done this research uh, when you had gone over there as a teacher to, to about the McQuarty Reserve. Yes. Was was that generally known to the people at that point? That no, they, they didn't know anything about it. They were uh, really surprised. I did just a little research, and I think uh, Judge Folta was in June mm -hmm. at the time. Right, Judge Folta. So I telegraphed him about it, and sure enough, by the We've been charging them uh, for the uh, for the fish trap, and they shouldn't have done it. And then under the Indian Reorganization Act, you remember about sure. that time, thirty-four. We re uh, we uh, organized the village under that, because really there wasn't any law enforcement there. There wasn't anything there. It was kind of a sitting like an island. Hmm. Well, now did did uh, when you arrived, did uh, uh, I mean, was the village council? Functioning before this reorganization? No, there wasn't, there wasn't anything. They had the old chief there, Chekalusian. Right. Simeon Chekalusian. And uh, he was actually about the only uh, authority that they had there. Hmm. There wasn't any other kind of law enforcement or no, there wasn't any council or anything. Huh. Hmm. So then, uh, did, did you get. Um, did the BIA sort of send you a letter and say we're going to organize all these village councils, or did right. you? Is this another thing you thought up? Or how I, I just understood that, that we could do it, you know. And I, I thought there was a real need there, so we had a village meeting and organized. Hmm. It worked out pretty well too. Hmm. They were quite interested in it. Hmm. Well, then how did uh, did they sort of enforce? Uh, like their own, people were drinking or people yeah, were shooting right. somebody or something. They, That's right. They had their own kind of regulations and uh, they took care of it their own, in their own ways. Hmm. They did have a little problem there with making this, uh, I forget what they call it, but they'd set up a barrel, you know, and get it going behind a stove and, and it pretty, made them pretty intoxicated. Or mean like a still. Sort of. Right, a little still. And uh, they did away with that for a long time. Hmm. They stayed away from it. Hmm. Uh, well, then, uh, um, I guess I was going to ask you about about Stan again. And that is, did was he coming down? Like he came down with you? I guess he was a pilot, right? Did he? No, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't at that pilot. time, he might have been later, but at that time, we had our own pilot that brought us down. Hmm. And he might have been uh, a pilot later. Well, then, how much time uh, he came down to do this this fish trap thing and to talk? Yeah, to and he he just uh, kind of took an interest in Pionic and kept his you know kept an interest there, and it just sort of developed. So he was their legal counsel for all this time. Hmm. So I mean, was he coming? Was he? He would come down occasionally, yes. But just for the fun of it, or was he always there sort of on business? Well, you see, after we were there two years, I'm not sure that he came mm -hmm. down so much after that. They probably would see him in Anchorage when they came in 
Hmm. They came into Anchorage to sell their beaver pelts. And Okay, well, that's, uh, um, that's very interesting. I, for some reason, I had been under the impression that, uh, and I didn't have any first-hand info, that somehow he had been down there as a kid or as a teenager or something, but uh, you don't recall him ever. No, he never said anything like that to me. Okay. As far as I know, that trip that I took him down there was his first trip down, but I, I don't know for sure. Like I said before, he slept in our post office. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, how many, there's a question, how many, uh, uh, obviously I assume you were married at the time? Or you yes, I was married, and my wife was, uh, she was the assistant teacher, and I was the teacher, government right. teacher. Right, so there I had one, one son at the time. So there was there was your family. Were there were there any other non-Indians living down no, there? The uh, no, there weren't. They have kind of, as you know, they had kind of a policy. They didn't want any non-Indians there. Right. I mean, I guess actually that's where I was. That was a time when they came to Anchorage. They had these signs up. You, before grinning, worked on the problem with no natives allowed, and, and they couldn't get a hotel room or some restaurants. They couldn't find a place to eat, so they naturally had quite a bit of resentment. So they had a little uh, structure down there where they had a jukebox after they got their electricity. Uh, after the school got electricity, I think they got a generator and had their little kind of little nightclub, and they had a sign outside, no whites allowed. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> Sort of a response to what was going on in Anchorage. Yeah, kind of a response, you know. Well, now, uh, actually, that's that's an interesting subject. What uh, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with what uh, Ernest Greening did when he was governor in terms right. of getting rid of all that, of all that in, the, in the late 1940s. But uh, what was your impression of how Native people were treated in Anchorage in those days? Um, was it, was it just the bars on 4th Avenue that had these signs, or was there more discrimination? They were, they were really discriminated against. The taxi cabs were <clears throat> bad because they would uh, get them and take them all around. First thing you know, they'd spend all their money. And uh, oh, it, it was kind of a bad situation in Anchorage. Hmm. Uh, how, about, how about in terms of like renting an apartment or a house or that sort of thing. Did you notice? No. They, like I said, they couldn't even eat in some restaurants or they couldn't get a hotel room. Well, great. I uh, very much appreciate you. Uh, yeah, now, is there anything else that I could help you with? Well, I'm, I, as I said, I, what I was really interested, I've been trying to get to the bottom of, of how, because he's such an important link right. to this whole story, how uh, how McCutcheon sort of got involved down there, and this, this fish trap thing is is basically uh, you know, a very right. interesting bit of of new information on that. So I'm not sure how many other other than people that, like us. I'm not sure how many thousands of people care about this stuff. But to me, I think it's really pretty important. Very interesting. I'm very interested when I hear about uh, you know the uh, claims and so mm -hmm. forth and uh, sovereignty in the village because I can recall back when we we set that up. Right. Do was that would that have been there in like uh, 
Well, uh, I think, uh, unless I go home and think of it, as I'm sure I will, as soon as I go home, I'll think of some other thing. Well, you just give me a ring. And I'd be I'd be delighted to if I could. Sure, uh, absolutely. Because, uh, I, as I said, I think uh, I think this stuff is uh, both important, and one of the things I regret is that there's so many Alaskans that have all this kind of information, and you guys are all moving to Hawaii and <laughs> getting... Uh, well, when I came back, we came back to Alaska in 86. I got a letter from Kionic inviting us to come down, which I thought was nice, you know. The village, uh, the consul down there wanted us to come down and visit. Did you go, did you go down? Or? No, we didn't get around to it, but we should have. My wife passed away about two years ago. Yeah, it would be interesting. I assume there's probably uh, a lot of uh, a lot of those kids are old men. <laughs> oh yeah, they're old men. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah a good half century. Probably. But it sure made an impression on us because it's such a brand new experience. We had to run the native store, help run it. I had to countersign all the checks on the store. We had a lighthouse. We had had to take care of, and I had to run the CC camp, and we did all the medical work in the village, you know, in connection with a nurse. So we really had a responsibility. Well, I'll say, what, uh, uh, this fish trap, where did the did the fish go? Is there a, a cannery nearby? Or yeah, the uh, Emard's cannery picked up the fish, but uh, it made it real easy, you know, they just go into the trap and then they get them out of the trap and sell them. Of course, those became illegal right. quite a long time ago. Well, was, was that cannery on, on the Tarnick side? Or no, was over no that was in Anchorage. It was in Anchorage. Yeah. So it come down with a Son I think it was Sonicky had a cannery in Emard. Hmm. They'd come down with a scowl and pick them up. Well, now, what about uh, um, just regular fishing? Where in the summer, we're uh, obviously, the thing with a fish trap, obviously, is it catches lots of fish, but you don't really need everybody in the village out. Well, they, they would do for their own uh, use for their dogs and things, you know. They had gill nets that they'd put out and do their own fishing. But that, but they weren't commercial fishing? Well, I think they did some commercial on the side, too. But fish were very reasonable then. I think they got 10 or 12 cents a fish. It's almost inconceivable to think of the low prices, but of course our money was worth a lot more than two. Right, I was going to say that you know, 10, 12, they got 10 or 12 cents a fish or a pound? One fish. One fish? One ten. fish. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just going to say, 10 or 12 cents a pound, that would still be pretty good money, but at 10 or 12 cents no, a fish, one that's... Fish. That's no money. I was getting $1,800 as a teacher down there. I thought that was great. <laughs> sure goes to... That was during the Depression, right at the end of it. Yeah, well, you know, when, when I, I was born in 47, and, you know, my parents, I think they bought their house for $10,000. And, sure. and I thought that was one whale of a lot of money, you know. It was at that time. Well, these things really change quite a bit. Um, well, listen, I very much appreciate you taking the, uh, the time to do all well, this. Well, I, I, I just hope that I've been some help to you. No, you, you have been, and uh, uh, particularly, actually, on, on 
now that I think about it, on this village council business getting organized, I think that's a very um, uh, sort of interesting part of the whole history over there, particularly in light of what's happened to the sense that, that a lot of folks aren't, aren't aware of. I'm surprised no one has, uh, <laughs> has uh, tracked you down on that subject before. Uh, you know, there's probably not even many Taiwanics left over there that would remember what went on in 1940. Um, so it's pretty historically important. Well, let me uh, turn this off and.